I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Wednesday, March 16th, welcome to Not Gambling Advice. Today, we are ranking 30 to 11 at the shortstop position. And then on Friday, we will finish it off giving you 10 through one. Colby, of course, welcome. And before we get into the shortstop rankings, what is your strategy when it comes to the shortstop position? Because we talked about third base, how loaded that position is, but this position might even be more loaded. It is. It is really more loaded. I mean, there's when you look at it, there's like 13, 14, maybe even 15 guys at this position that are being drafted in the top 100 in the draft. So to say that you have to get one early, yes, you have to get one early, but it's almost a given that you're going to get one of these guys on your team. But the other thing with a lot of these guys is a lot of them are multi-positional, right? A lot of these guys we've already covered in our third base or our second base rankings. Um, so a lot of guys you can play around with and move them around your lineup. Absolutely. You can move them around because also there's a lot of good rookies in here. There's, you know, of course, the number one guy, Fernando Tatis Jr., or maybe number two, kind of however you want to slice it. But easily a top two guy is now out three months with a wrist injury. So you're going to see our reflected rankings where Tatis lies. And you're going to hear him in this episode and not in the top 10 episode. And, you know, it's just, a matter of fact of how many games is he going to play? It really is. I, we'll get into it more later, but just a devastating injury for a guy that we didn't really get to see in full force last year. We saw it yeah. in spurts. Um, he was in with that shoulder injury, and, and now we, we have a wrist situation with him. And it's just like, you just hate to see it because you've seen it with like a guy like Ken Griffey Jr., who was healthy at the beginning of his career and then dealt with injuries the whole back half of his career. And you would hate to see that with a guy like Tatis that has literally all the potential in the world to be maybe the best baseball player in the world. Agreed. And before we get to the top 30, just a quick reminder, these rankings are five by five. It's a five by five league with home runs, RBIs, runs, stolen bases, and average. And of course, you can find the full write-ups on justbaseball.com, catcher, first base, second base, third base, all written on justbaseball.com. So we'll start with number 30, Nikki Lopez. Number 29, Josh Rojas. Number 28, newly Yankee, Isaiah Conner-Falefa. 27, Jeremy Pena. 26, Ahmed Rosario. 25, Luis Arias. 24, Brendan Rogers. 23, Glaber Torres. 22, Eugenio Suarez. And number 21, O'Neal Cruz. So the guy I just named, the Pittsburgh Pirate, is one of the most exciting young prospects in baseball, all the way down to Nicky Lopez, who's one of the best gloves in the entire sport, but probably won't give you much fantasy-wise. When you look at 21 to 30, who are some guys that you think could vault into the top 20? There's three guys here that are, well, vault into the top 20. There's a, there's a couple here for sure. Uh, Jeremy Pena, the two rookies. <clears throat> Jeremy Pena and, and O'Neill Cruz, who you just mentioned. Um, but starting off with Jeremy Pena, we have him at 27. He's uh, the Astros, you know, next heir to the throne at shortstop. If Correa does not resign with the, with the Astros, which has been gaining steam over the last few days. Um, so I do wonder if, if you know, Correa goes back, Pena is going to be blocked. But 
getting into Pena. Pena's a guy that hit 287, 10 bombs, and a 311 ISO in 30 triple A games last year. He was hurt for most of the year. Um, but if you've ever seen a picture of him right now, listeners, look up a picture of Jeremy Pena. The, the dude is shredded beyond belief. He looks like Giancarlo Stanton. Um, he's just absolutely shredded with an eight pack. But if Correa does not block him, Peter, I think he could be a, a very, very valuable contributor, a guy that, you know, is going to hit 20-plus bombs, maybe even 25. And the Astros lineup is very good. He's not going to hit ninth in that lineup. He's probably going to hit six because he is that good. I don't know about six just because that Astros lineup that, that's is true. so freaking loaded. I mean, Kyle Tucker was hitting seventh last year. That just goes <laughs> to show, like, Carlos Correa was hitting six. So I, I think he's going to hit eighth probably in this lineup, probably Martin Maldonado hitting ninth. He has but potential to hit higher, but he yeah. does have the potential. That's what you're talking about because with Jeremy Pena, he was always glove first. The glove was always really strong. I mean, he's been given 65, 70 grades on the glove going from Correa who just won the platinum to Jeremy Pena is not that big of a drop-off. The bat is where people were nervous, but we saw him come on last year in the minors. He added all of that muscle. He's a very exciting young player. And if you're looking at baseball cards, a really nice card to grab as well. The, my only thing is with Carlos Correa about where he's going to sign is apparently Boris. So Boris switched agencies, you know, so he's employing, he's telling Carlos Correa basically, we should sign a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, and then maybe explore free agency in the next couple of years, which is such a Scott Boris thing to do. But it's becoming more increasingly possible that Carlos Craig could go back to the Astros. Still would be shocked because saying that Carlos Craig is going to sign a one-year deal sounds completely well, blasphemous, but it's yeah. on the table. I mean, to me, it, it seems more like he would sign something like Castellanos did, where it's like a, a or J.D. Martinez, like it's a three-year deal or a four-year deal, but it has different opt-outs after opt -outs. year two, after year four, like, and whatnot. Um, I, I could see that being pretty lucrative. I mean, Correa is only 26 years old, but um, but regardless, what about you? What, uh, what guys in this top, you know, 20 to 30 range do you see entering the top 20 this season? We've talked about Brendan Rodgers on this show before. I still think he's got that kind of potential. I mean, the Rockies are most likely not going to sign Trevor Story, but they've been connected to Chris Bryant. So now I'm kind of the page of I'm not cutting them out of anything. I don't know what they're doing. I do not know what Colorado's <laughs> doing. I don't follow their same logic, but they don't follow mine. So, but realistically looking at it, Brendan Rodgers should be the starting shortstop for Colorado. We know how hitters perform in Colorado and he's been their top guy now for a while. I'm, I'm buying into the Brendan Rodgers hype, especially if, if he can get 500 to 600 plate appearances. I think he could easily vault into the 20. So I have I have one more guy that I think will vault into potentially the top 10, which is O'Neill Cruz, who hit you know 20 or he hit 12 bombs and 18 stolen bases in double A last year with a 292 average. And this is a guy that hits the ball 120 miles an hour plus. Like only, only Giancarlo Stanton at the big league level hits the ball 120 plus. You know, there's other guys, Judge, Otani, that, that hit close to 120. They're in the 118, 119 range. But he's in that range. Like he's, he's at, he will be the second highest hard hit, like exit velocity when he comes into the league. Which he's is crazy. Six, he's a six foot seven shortstop. My only worry is the injuries because we've never seen this before. And but also, but, this is not a guy who's dealt with injuries really in the minors. Yeah. It's just the idea of a six foot seven shortstop playing 162 is hard to fathom. But Judge is six seven. Right fielder. 
much less demanding position. It's fair, fair, very and fair. And Judge has had his injury problems. Very fair, very fair. Um, well, because he swings so hard. Judge doesn't have problems because of, of playing the field. He, he has problems because he swings so freaking hard and gets oblique injuries because he's just like tearing yeah, apart. Yeah, but O'Neal his- Cruz swings freaking hard too. Oh, they, when when you get you. to the, be that big, yeah, they're all going to swing incredibly hard. Yeah. Regardless, this is a guy that that this season could really be a 2020 guy. Um, his only drawback is that he hits the ball on the ground too much. But even then, I mean, that could, you know, with how hard he does hit the ball, Gene Carlos Sands dealt with the same problems for a long time. Like, that could increase his average a bit. Um, I, I love O'Neill Cruz. Another guy that I do want to talk about that's on your LIP. Just before we move on, it's important to note that a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. has not made his MLB debut yet. Probably, maybe we aren't exactly sure yet when he's going to start. If it's opening day, if it's after, after Super Two, even if it's closer to June, most likely it won't be. But a guy like O'Neill Cruz debuted last year. He's most likely going to start opening day for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you can kind of cue him in there assume that he'll be ready for opening day and even projection systems have him at below like a a full 150 game slate and they have him at like 112 to 120 games projected and he's still going to hit 23 home runs with 20 stolen bases even in that little of a window so um even if he's not going to play the whole year i still love his draft position at 219 adp it's so easy to dream on o'neill cruz and a eugenio suarez is a guy who just moved over to the mariners He's leaving Cincinnati. Is he possibly due for a bounce back? He's going to strike out a lot. I don't know about the average, it's, but it's interesting that he's now a Seattle Mariner. And Isaiah Conifalefa, a guy who's now on the Yankees. We'll see how much playing time he gets. Right now, he's slated as the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are not done making free agent moves and trades. I don't know if he'll be the starter. So you probably will see these rankings change depending on some of the moves. But Eugenio Suarez, I don't think the move really bounces him up or down that many slots he's still at 22 for us if anything it moves him down just leaving great american ballpark and moving to you know safeco field which is historically a very very pitcher friendly ballpark um but the other guy i did want to mention pete is glaber torres you know 2018 to 2019 he had a 235 iso a 354 woba um but only a 334 x woba so 2020 to 2021 right you saw the power numbers completely declined 111 ISO compared to the 235 ISO he did from 2018 to 2019, a 311 Woba, but yet again, a 331 X So I'm almost questioning whether the numbers that Glaber did put up in 2018, 2019 with a potentially juice ball can even be counted on going forward. Like, I think we might be like dreaming on the Glaber tours we saw in his first two seasons as a 21 year old. Um, and now he's still just 24 years old, but I think, I think we're just going to be hyping him up and, and always having that image of he did hit 38 home runs in a season. Like, can he do that again? I don't think so. Labor Torres is a guy I still believe in. And I'm one of the few at just baseball who, who values Labor Torres still pretty highly, not to the 38 home run mark that happened in 2019, but I still think 30 home runs is possible in his future. And I'll tell you why when he moved back over to second base, much better hitter in the last month of the season. I think shortstop got into into his head. Remember, playing shortstop for the New York Yankees is probably the toughest position to handle in all of this, in the entire sport in baseball. You know, you're coming after Derek Jeter. DD kind of took that, but really Glaber Torres was supposed to be that next great shortstop after Derek Jeter. 
I think the pressure got to him. It even came out that a guy like Gary, that the noise was getting to his head, that the defense, he was struggling, and then that carried over to the bat. I think the exact same thing happened. Second base is much more of a home from him. He's better there. Then he can focus on the bat. I think we'll see a better Glaber Torres than we saw last year. And But I don't think we'll ever see 2019 again. But I think he's closer to that 2019 version than he is to the 2021 version. I, I disagree. I don't think he, he's going to come close to 30 home runs again, at least not in his current form where he's has no power at all, unless he completely pulls the ball. Um, his back hip has just been taken from him. I don't know why, um, but until I see a change, yeah, I, it might happen. It might happen, but um, it, might, it might happen. I, I mean, but then again, he's ranked 23rd. There are still a lot of really good shortstops ahead of him. So let's start with number 20. So number 20 is a guy we talked about in the second base episode. It's Chris Taylor. Um, he's being drafted ADP 137 right now. Last year was a great season for him. 254, 20 home runs, 90, 90 runs, 73 RBIs, and 13 stolen bases. He's a contributor across the board. His average is just about average, right? But he's a contributor basically average in everything. And 13 stolen bases is a little bit above average. So, like, he's going to just contribute. Um, he's a guy that, that if you – kind of, um, you know, went a little risky in, in a few picks in the, in the top 10, you get Chris Taylor in like the 10th round and you can just count on Chris Taylor to produce for you. I was talking about it in our other episodes. Chris Taylor is a guy I always like to target just because of his positional versatility and he's a really safe pick. I know what he's going to get. He's going to fill up all five categories. So moving on to number 19, Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves. Dansby Swanson has been hitting since his early days at Vanderbilt and he just never really stopped hitting. He's a really solid fantasy option because he does a little bit of everything. The only place he might hurt you is the batting average department. Uh, but I think the 2021 version of Dansby Swanson where he hit 247 is the low end. And I think he's perfectly capable of a 260 batting average and he's got 25 to 30 home run pop. He hit 27 last year and he has the ability to drive in 85 and score 85 in a loaded Braves offense that just added Matt Olson. And he stole nine stolen bases in 2021. And in 2019, he stole 10. 2018, he stole 10. He can easily steal you 10 again. He's a safe play. And at his current ADP of 121, I really like that spot for him. He's getting drafted around some, some guys that, you know, are a little bit hit or miss. And I think Dansby Swanson is one of the safest options at shortstop in the back end of the top 20. Dansby Swanson has finally lived up to being the first overall pick. I think, I think I'm so pretty true. confident in saying that that he might not be the best player from that draft class, but they weren't wrong for picking him. Or it was the Diamondbacks, but they were not wrong for picking him number one. He's really turned into such a fine player, and I, I agree, Pete. I think 25 home runs is is kind of the number for him. Um, his home run per fly ball rate was was very sustainable last year, and and he hits the ball. Uh, his hard hit rate's above average. He's just he's very very solid across the board. Um, he's not. I don't know if 85 runs in RBIs is gonna happen just because at the end of last year he was hitting in like the seven hole in that lineup um so that might be a little aggressive but yeah he had he over 85 hole he had 85 last year yeah i mean yeah he, the only worry is so he was hitting at the beginning of last year in the five hole um and, and the last like six weeks of the season they moved him down to the seven hole um so we'll just have to monitor that that's always something to monitor They'll be probably without guys like, you know, Eddie Rosario, no Jack Peterson, no Jorge Soler. So maybe he moves up to the six, seven hole, but I agree with you. He's probably not going to hit fifth in this lineup. So that moves us to number 18, who I think is 
speaking of a, a power surge, it's Brandon Crawford of the Giants. So from 2015 to 2020, Crawford at 254 and had above 20 home runs just one single time. His hard hit rate was averaged 36% over that span, and his fly ball rate averaged 33%, which is way, way, way low. 2021, we saw a completely different beat crop. Hard hit rate up to 43%, fly ball rate up to 41%. And he had the highest ISO of his career. Now, I don't think it's possible for him to hit 298 again. But 24 home runs, 79 um, runs, 90 RBIs. I think he could do that again with about a 265 average. 298 is insanely high. His, ex, uh, his expected batting average was 259 compared to 298. But the power numbers are real. The power numbers are real. We saw a different uh, Brennan Crawford. Apparently, he's a guy that implemented the teacher man approach as well. That's what um, I was going to say. And that just took him to the next level. So, interesting. That's exactly what I was going to add. His swing just looked different last year. He's getting much more lift on the ball. And I agree with you. The power is completely real. I know his expected batting averages in the 250. I was looking at that this morning as well. I, I just, he's too good of a hitter. I really think that 270 is going to be the low end. I think he's a guy who could outperform that. You know, he's still got a little bit of speed. He just hits a lot of line drives, just hits the ball in the air, you know, smashes the gaps. I, I'm I'm a big believer, again, in Brandon Crawford. I don't think that was a fluke. I think that was a change for a guy who's already really talented and he figured it out. I just, I know, I, I'm harping on this, but I know the expected batting average is that low. I really don't see it below 270. Yeah, I think he could, he could, do 270 i think he could do 270 he's gonna have a really fine second half of his career i think it, it's I gonna agree. be an offensive he he was such a great defender in the first half of his career and he still is a great defender but now he's transitioning into more of this like power hitting like decent fielder and i, and I love that for brandon crawford i love that for brandon crawford number 17 is a guy we've spoken about i think on every single episode it seems it's jake cronenworth <laughs> um I mean, we know about the Crone Zone. Last year, he hit 266 with 21 bombs, 94 runs, 71 RBIs. You know, he qualifies at first base, second base, shortstop, just a really good option to have on your team. And he's getting taken right next to Dansby Swanson. I would take Jake Cronenworth over Dansby Swanson. And that reflects in our rankings. Peter, does Tatis's injury sway Cronenworth's uh, value for you at all? Because he's going to hit not really off in this order, right? And so Tatis would be a guy that's going to drive him in a lot, or just you're not you're fine without it. Fine with it. I, I think the Padres' offense is going to be totally fine. I mean, you still got Manny Machado. You still got plenty of power in that lineup. I think for the first couple months, we could see maybe a little bit of a drop off in the runs and RBIs department, but I think overall the season is going to look very strong still. And I don't think that'll affect him maybe in the first couple of months, but I'm not putting really any stock in the Tatis injury affecting Cronenworth that, that much. And maybe, maybe he, he takes it as like, it's a chip on his shoulder to, yeah. you know, perform while Tatis is out. That could definitely be as well. I doubt it. Um, Do you think he's really going to take that about himself? Just be like, Oh, I'm going to, I think he's just going to go out it. I actually don't think that's going to do anything to him. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He just goes out and hits. No, he's just going to go hit. He's the crow. All right. Let's move to number 16. It's Bobby Witt Jr., who uh, will is a rookie, is a rookie, will be making his major league debut. I'm not even going to use my own words here for Bobby Witt Jr. I'm going to use a quote from Aram from the uh, top 100 prospects list. 
So this is about Bobby Wood Jr. He currently deploys an approach that features tons of line drives and fly balls with a slight preference to do damage to his pulse side. The only knock on Witt's offensive profile is his slight tendency to swing and miss. He manages this well, however, and even if he ends up striking out over 25% at the big league level, his huge exit velocities and plus-plus speed should feel a sustainable high BABIP on an annual basis. Witt's bat has the potential to be special, and it wouldn't surprise us if he produces slash lines close to 280, 350, 550, with 30 to 35 home runs per year. He had 33 home runs last year between double A and triple A, a fly ball rate near 50%, and also stole 29 backs. This guy has Fernando Tatis level potential, and he's the number one prospect in baseball for a reason. For a reason. Son of Bobby Witt, former major leaguer. He is for real. The only thing that we have to evaluate is his fantasy impact. When is he going to come up? That's the big question. But we know when we've spoken about the Royals before, the Royals don't really care about service manipulation. They don't care about the time. They want the player that's going to make them better right now. Bobby Witt Jr. does that. He's also going to play a little bit of third base um, because I know they're going to bring him up. And Nicky Lopez is most likely still going to play a lot of short subs, so he's probably going to qualify at third base as well. We'll continue to update you guys when we hear more news about you know, when Bobby Witt Jr., because if he makes the opening day roster, I think he moves up two or three spots in these rankings. I think right now we're kind of hedging if they pull him up, you know, a month and a half away, or if they pull him up a couple of weeks, we're just kind of hedging that. But we know the talent is off the charts. It's off the charts. I really do think he's going to start opening day. I, I don't think the Royals, the Royals have no reason he's better not than Hunter to, Dozier. By a million, by a million. I mean, if Bobby Witt Jr. plays the entire season, we could be looking at 30 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and an average. I don't think his average is going to be 260. It's probably going to be 260 this season. Um, But yeah, I mean, taking him in the, the seventh, eighth round right now could be one of the steals of the draft. Willie Adamas is at 15 for the Milwaukee Brewers, he's just a tale of two cities. With the Rays, he fell victim to the trop, posting a 197, 245, 371 slash line with five home runs before moving over to Milwaukee. With the Brewers, 280, 352, 508 with 11 bombs. And he finished 2021 in total, hitting 262 with 25 bombs, but with a full season at America Family Field, I see a 270 batting average in his future with 25 to 30 home runs. The run and RBI opportunities may be a bit limited just because this Brewers offense isn't that strong, Mm -hmm. but he can grab you five steals as well as he did last year. He's currently the 18th shortstop off the board. I love him at that ADP. I think he's going too low. I think the Brewers version is more of the version that we're going to see rather than whatever that Rays version was. Yeah. So the rumor with Adamas is that, that there's no batter's eye at, um, at the trop and he couldn't see the ball and pick up the ball, which I believe, I really I believe. believe. And so happened I think you right. happened to a lot of these Rays hitters. Sometimes it's hard. Some guys just rake, but sometimes it takes a little bit to adjust. Like was Juan or Franco, when he struggled initially, was that him adjusting to the trop or was that him going through some rookie pains? Could have been a little bit of both. I think we're both, both of us are, are higher on, 
Adamas than the crowd here. And, and I love, love, love Adamas. What he did last year is, is for real. Second for real. Half. He's so talented too. And he's always been a talented guy. I just think coming up with the race, he struggled a little bit. He was not just this guy who came out of the blue. He was always a top shortstop prospect and he's proven it now with Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, talk about a guy that was a glove first shortstop and just always had the potential to, to have that power kick in. And it finally did. And he's still young. I mean, how old is he? 26? Like, 26. he was a former top prospect, 26, just had his breakout year. I'm buying it completely. Absolutely. You know, too, like you always say, Peter, too good of a hitter. I really think that, that he's too, too good of a pedigree to fail. Exactly. That brings, us to, <clears throat> that brings us to another guy that has a pretty insane pedigree, Jazz Chisholm with the Miami Marlins. We've already covered him in the second base episode. Last year, 248, 18 home runs, 70 runs. 53 runs batted in and 23 stolen bases. This is rookie campaign. We've always been obsessed with Jazz Chisholm with what? Home runs and stolen bases. And that is what he will get you. He will get you close to 20 home runs, maybe more in a full season. I could see 25 home runs. He hits the ball in the air. And I really could see 25 to 30 stolen bases because he loves being flashy. He, he might be the flashiest player in the bigs right now. Tim Anderson, Jazz Chisholm, Fernando Tatis. Like, those are the guys when I think of flashy, that's who I think of. Jazz Chisholm played in New York with a short porch in right field. He could hit 30 bombs. In Miami, not so sure. That place is enormous. It's going to be tough for him to get anything over 25 home runs, but I think 20 is is very likely. I'm, I'm going to guess he steals... 10 more bases than home runs. I think the speed is real. I think he's going to be running all over the base pass. You know, we got bigger bases now, three inches, substantial. I think Jazz Chisholm has 30 stolen base potential, 20 home run potential. I think the only area it's going to hurt you is the batting average department because I don't really see him hitting above 250. Yep. I do think he's being overdrafted right now. So his ADP is is 78 and he's the 11th shortstop off the board. Jorge Polanco, Corey Seager, Correa behind him I'm not sure about that I'm not sure if I can buy and I get that he's going to steal more bases than those guys but to me I'll make up my stolen bases in another department totally agreed I I Jazz Chisholm is getting drafted too high if he somehow falls he's a good pickup but at his current ADP I think that's a stay away for us so number 13 is Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres here he is here's what we slotted him number 13 because when the face of baseball tells you which one when he's talking about motorcycle accidents, that is not a good sign for your fantasy team. He's arguably, like we said, the number one guy overall, maybe number two after Trey Turner, but now he's just 13 due to a fractured wrist and is expected to keep him out until probably the middle of June. But Tatis is a quick healer. Um, I mean, we heard about the shoulder thing and he was able to kind of play through it, but I don't think you should expect more than 100, 110 games. And most projection systems have him at 80. I do think mid-June is is probable. I think he'll miss about 50 games total during the season, maybe 55, maybe 60. It sucks for baseball for him to be injured right now, and I just wish he'd hop off the motorcycle. I'm not a guy who's ever going to tell you how to live your life, but selfishly, as a fantasy baseball player, as a general fan of the game, as a huge fan of Fernando Tati Jr., a guy who called him the MVP candidate, a guy who, you know, I stood on my neck and I said, I would take him number one overall in fantasy. That is right now biting me in the ass with Fernando Tatis Jr. I just am, I'm really worried, Peter, because 
the shoulder injury is one thing, but wrist injuries are, are a different beast when it comes to hitting. Like we saw Alex Bregman struggle through a wrist injury and not put up the power numbers that he usually does. We saw, here's another good example. Austin Nola is a guy that, that did have 25 home run pop at one, at one time, but what was he dealing with last year? And a wrist injury. He had no power. And so you bring up a good point. Tatis is young. He's a quick healer. But how long before that does catch up to him, right? And like, I don't think it's going to, I think now is not the time where it's going to catch up to him. I think he's still really young. I, I, I believe that he's the quick healer. I don't think it's, remember, 22 years old. I mean, he's going, he's going to be fine. I, I think it will affect him, but just to, it, I think it goes to show what kind of, Potential. I mean, we all know that he hit 42 home runs last year. We know he's crazy. But even in a conservative projection system, in 79 games, hitting 27 home runs and stealing 19 bases. That's where would you, what Fernando Tatis Jr. can give you. Hitting where would you draft him right now? Because we really don't know. Like, I'm not drafting him. I get that. I get that. But I'm saying, like, where does he end up getting drafted? Because we don't know right now. We're we're literally recording this the day after that news came out, and the the drafts have not adjusted. Like, where is he going to end up going? Is he going to end up going 150, or is he going to end up going 75? Because if he's See, getting drafted still in the top 100, no shot I'm touching him. No, I agree. I think he's actually going to be drafted around where Dance Beast Swanson is being drafted, in the 120, 125 range. I think that's where he's going to go. And I'm Give me Dan Smith Swanson over. Uh, no, 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 no. Shut up, Peter. Um, I'm just saying we're ranking him 13 because of the potential. But personally, I am nervous. And if it gets that late, this is this is tough. This is tough. It's it's a it's very tough. I mean, you you can stash him on your bench or on your IR, right, and pick up somebody say he is going 120 you pick him and then you get somebody like an o'neill Cruz. but the thing is you can't take an o'neill Cruz because he might not start the year but you could take like a brandon crawford like you can take another guy after later to just supplement you through the first three months if he is back mid-june you can probably hang tight and you could be getting a first round talent for the second half of the season see i remember like, for example, if I could go grab Brandon Crawford and Tatis, platoon them, because Crawford is, is a guy who has a good first half normally. Um, I, I kind of like that because you could probably Let's God is back. Let's God. You could probably grab Crawford late and then just kind of use it because then you could get kind of the best of both worlds. Also, Tatis can qualify in the outfield as well. It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, moving away from, from Tatis, these last two guys we've already covered for before, so we'll just move right through them. Number 12, Jorge Polanco. I do want to touch back on him because last time we talked about him, I, I said that I don't think he can reach 33 home runs again, which I still don't think he can reach 33. But the more I look into it, I think 30 could be within reach. Right. Um, Come on now. Polanco is the guy. The only he reason is he, his, his hard hit rate is below average. But last year was a, was a career high for him, and his barrel rate was a career high at 10%. Before that, he was having barrel rates like under 5%. Um, and so, like, he, he was still successful with a hard hit rate near 30%. It was 36% last year. If he can move up just a little bit, a little bit, and get to, like, league average, 
I really do think, yeah, I think 30 home runs could happen again. And he's going to provide across the board. If the, if the twins get Trevor story, his value is going to go up as well, even more. Agreed. I think Jorge Polanco is a great option and I would pick him over Tatis at this point. I think the power is real. I think the speed is real. I just think he's a really talented player. And again, number 11, Javier Baez on the new Detroit Tigers. Uh, We talked about Javier Baez, but we haven't quantified his splits yet exactly with the Mets and then with the Cubs. So with the Cubs, 248, 292, 484 in 91 games but he hit 22 bombs and stole 13 bases. And the reason why I'm reading that is I think that's at the absolute low end of Javier Baez. Over a 162-game span, if he looks like what he looked like on the Cubs, 240 to 250 batting average with still 30 to 35 bombs and still 20 stolen bases, but the batting average might kill you. Then with the Mets in around 47 games, he hit 299, 371, 515 with nine homers and five steals. That's on the high end. He could be a guy who hits between 280, 290, possibly even 300 with 30 to 35 bombs at 100 runs driven in and 20 plus steals. But now what does he look like at Comerica? Remember, this is a stadium that Miguel Cabrera came over and even had to adjust. Nick Castellanos did not see the same offensive firepower in Comerica. It's hard to hit there. It's one of the hardest ballparks to hit in. What should we expect from Javier Baez? I think 260 with 30 bombs, 20 steals, and between 80 to 90 RBIs, 80 to 90 runs, and a fringe top 10 shortstop option. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's crazy that Javi Baez is being taken just 15 spots ahead of Jazz Chisholm. Because when I look at Jazz Chisholm, like we're saying, like 25 home runs is the peak for him with 20 to 25 stolen bases. Javier Baez is going to clear 30 home runs, I think, even in Comerica. He hits no doubters. Um, yeah, that's so to me, again. it's a no brainer to pick Javi Baez like over a guy like Chisholm. Um, if that's like in your brain, because I think they're similar, but Javi Baez, the upside is just insanely higher he's in the upper quarter of of hard hit rate you know he's in the 98th percentile of max exit velocity you're right it won't affect him that much because he just hits the ball so hard and he gets good elevation on the ball as well but he did kind of have a he had a slightly high ground ball rate last year 46 percent. that is kind of high i wish it was closer to the 40 range if but anything gets, though that could help the ball so hard that it really could help. that could help Javi Baez, yeah, with the higher average. Um, yeah. Because when he does hit the ball in the air, you know it's going to be crushed anyway. That it, like, it yeah. almost doesn't. That's a good point. That's a good point. So who out of this, as we wrap, this top 10, who do you think could jump into the top 10? And then we'll go, who do we think could fall out of it? Bobby Wood Jr. could e- easily hop into this top 10. And, and I believe that this time next year, he'll be getting drafted in the top 10. Um, I think you have to bake in to Bobby Witt Jr. season right now is just that every rookie kind of goes through going growing pains. Even Wanda Franco went through growing pains for, you know, three, four weeks. Um, but after he gets through those growing pains, he'll, he has the potential to deliver top 10 shortstop value. I really like Brandon Crawford. I think Brandon Crawford could make a jump into the top 10. You know, last year he was a top 10 fantasy shortstop option. 
why can't he do that again? I think the only thing that could hurt you again is the batting average department. Maybe, I don't know if he's going to hit 300, but he could do it again. He could hit 280, 290. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. This is a really good guy, really good hitter who learned the teacher man swing, really good athlete, really smart cerebral player. I, I think he could easily jump into the top 10. Brandon Crawford is a guy I really like and a guy I'm definitely targeting in drafts. His price is really good right now. ADP out of, outside the top 200. And the guy who I think could drop out of the top 20, it's funny. All these guys I'm pretty confident in. And I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the easy one, but we already kind of covered him. You know the injury. I don't think we have to talk about him. But the guy who I think may not take that next step is Jazz Chisholm. I think it's possible. You know, I still think he's really talented, but he's also a guy dealt with a little bit of injury concerns here or there. You know, if Miami doesn't add a ton of offense, like he could be looking at a lack of runs, RBIs, you know, maybe if Miami starts to falter a little bit, maybe he stops caring. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe he just stops caring. Maybe he starts selling out for power. Maybe he hits 220. Like that realistically could happen. Maybe he stops stealing bases so he doesn't get injured. These are all stop stealing bases. Get out of here, Peter. Not not stop stealing bases. Not stop stealing bases, <laughs> but not not getting to 30. Maybe not getting to 25. That's why I think you could find speed in other places. He's the guy that I think could fall out of the top 20. I, I think Jazz Chisholm's speed will be the thing that always keeps him in the top 20. A guy that I think could drop out of the top 20 is Jake, Jake Cronenworth, who we have at 17 right now. Last year, he, he didn't put up the greatest season. And obviously, I think we're both buying that that was a down year for him. 266 with 21 bombs. Still 94 runs, but only four stolen bases. He's not going to deliver much in the speed, speed realm for you. Um, and hard hit rate was down for him last year. If he sees a resurgence in the hard hit rate this year. I think he could actually deliver greater than his, his ADP right now in his ranking. Um, but I think if he delivers another year, like he just did, then we'll, we might be questioning whether Jake, Jake Cronenworth really is, is the, you know, not a star, but like just under that, like a very, very good player on your team. I think that's fine because I think you're most likely drafting Cronenworth in your second base position, and you're probably going to grab a different shortstop. So I agree. The shortstop position is so loaded. Cronenworth could have a pretty solid year, but not finish as a top 20 shortstop. But just because he doesn't finish as a top 20 shortstop doesn't mean that he's not a good yep. contributor on your fantasy team, possibly in a different position. Yeah. I mean, so, like, yeah. and that'll do it for our top 30 shortstops of course again on friday you will see our top 10 and then next week we will have our finished write-up and then next week we will also be doing the outfield and then moving on to starting pitching and then as we get closer to the season as we see all the free agents sign colby and i will be not gambling on a lot futures mvps rookie of the year anything you can imagine team totals we might just bet over under on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home runs. We're going to bet on everything. And by bet, I mean not gamble. So in the episode, link description, Colby and I are both rocking our just baseball hoodies. Look at him. We're all grade sweatsuit out. We look kind of look kind of fire, honestly. These sweatshirts are sick. Wednesday grout fit. Wednesday grout fit. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs>